So many, so many, so many damn books. Boo! <laughs> we can't recapture past glories. I think that's the point. All right, and that's really beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, this is So Many Damn Books. I'm Drew. And I'm Christopher. Uh, and Do we need nicknames? Should we like Christopher the, the yellow dart? I don't know. Yes, that's your nickname now. (laughs) We'll figure out if I get one or not, but you are now the yellow dart. No, that's a strong bad reference. I'm not. You are now the yellow dart. (laughs) That is just a terrible strong bad. It's been a while. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of things that were great in our childhood. Uh, uh, Yeah, good. Nice. Very nice. Hey, right? That's that's what they teach you there. Um, I don't know where. But they teach you podcast. <laughs> hey, um, look, I got my MFA in podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Series that were great when you were a child that yeah. still hold up. Well, the reason why I was even thinking about this was last night. I um, out of print clothing, mm. um, made, had a beautiful sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. Yeah, please. Uh, with t- <laughs> real, the, we're in this for the sponsorships. I just I want people to know that from the very very beginning. Yeah, it's a it's a lesson we learned from other podcasts. We want that free books. Yep. We want free clothes. Yep. Especially from out of print because they do this. They don't got this very nice T-shirt of uh, Judy Bloom's Super Fudge. Mm. And I was wearing this at the party, and I had this very strange thing happen where a lot of people were like, "That's a cool shirt, man." And I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> and, and I'm like, "Oh, cool. So you've read it?" And they're like, "Read what?" I'm just like no this is a like they just thought it was a funny cartoon that says super fudge oh that's saddening I, yeah it was really sad but i was thinking <laughs> actually when i got home like wow like i actually haven't read myself i haven't read uh i haven't read super fudge or, or any of the books in that judy bloom series in a long time mm-hmm. so i started uh i I checked out the first chapter of uh tales of a fourth grade nothing and i couldn't believe how good it was it was sort of similar to um, when Netflix threw Hey Arnold onto... Um, yeah. And I realized, like, that show is so much better than it had any right to be. Mm-hmm. You know, th- it was 12 minutes and these beautiful short stories of living <laughs> as a kid in a city. And it was very exotic to me as a kid. Both both Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing and Hey Arnold, which I think are similar in some ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, yeah. so Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing by Judy Bloom. Um which is the entrance into that whole world of her... Uh, the Bloomiverse. <laughs> I don't know why I set you up for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lobbing it and spiking it. Um, yeah. Uh, and what about you? What's a good childhood series to revisit? I mean, I was talking about this this morning. Is um, Brian Jacques's Redwall. Which, I mean, I have a very... Is it Brian Jakes or Jacques? Well, I don't know. Jacques. I mean, i Jacques, monsieur. <laughs> I, I am pretentious about my French ancestry, so deal with it. Um, if someone from his estate, may he rest in peace, want to correct us, we'd be happy to issue a correction. Um, I think it's Brian Jakes. All right. Brian, that guy's series, <laughs> Redwall, with Red- the mice and the animals. It seems to me that that series is like ripe for a Pixar or a Leica to take that and turn it into a beautiful... A, a Leica, anim- that would be absolutely... Inc- I'm surprised that it hasn't been, well, to it's be been, honest. They, they did a, um, a short-lived, uh, awful mm-hmm. 2D animation of Redwall, it. and it, 
was so terrible. disappointing and bad. But I mean, I just, I, I mean, I have distinct like sense memories of getting those first, the first four books that were like sort of matching. And then as the series continued, they like started rejacketing them. Redwall, Redwall Mossflower, Metameo. I forget what the fourth one was. Is that the Legend of Luke? No, that, that came later. It's a good one though. That is a good one. And like Pearls of Lutra. Oh, that's the that's one of the best ones. That's one of the best ones. Everyone says that. Yes, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, because the there's seven like one of the great things about the Redwall series was there was always like a really strange, like clue-driven mm-hmm. quest for like uh Luke's, Matthew the Warrior's thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. His gloves. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, why do you need those? Doesn't matter. No, it's important. So, but the pearls made sense. I actually needed seven pearls. So yeah. it was, that was a really fun searching one. And actually what I remember more are the feasts because there are all these weird. I have the cookbook. I have the cookbook. There I gotta a, find it. Yeah. Okay. You should, because I had a very, um, you know, reading those books, I would come downstairs and be, mom, where can I get some candy rose <laughs> hips? Like, it sounded so delicious to me, like all the things that they were eating. And I love in the very opening chapter of Redwall, they catch a two pound trout. Yeah. And it feeds the entire abbey because it's, you know, they're little, little mice. Yeah. That was always a weird thing. That, that they I... were meat eaters and they were mice? Oh, no, I was just thinking <laughs> they were mice, but then they were like big ass badgers and hares and stuff. But they all were like, you know, they seemed human sized. Oh, the long me. patrol. The long, yeah. That's a really good. What was one the? Um, that was that was, was one that was with that the was named after the 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 cry, Ulalia. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, right. There was a million of them. You know, there were. I didn't I, read the last couple too, which I kind of I've been thinking about it recently that I'd like to. If I, I don't know. Time. I actually, um, as far as going back and revisiting these, you, there is a little bit of, of an in like sort of like a um a nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. That is taking place of, because you can sort of see where the plot is going now, and That's like true. the characterization is very like here's a hero, here is a, a you know, a school marm sort of character. Like it's very like one dimensional characters, but at the same time, like this world is so rich that he he really just you just want to kind of live there for a while. Yeah. Do you think that uh, the the characterization thing? That we're just noticing that because, you know, we've gotten older and jaded about these things. Maybe. But I think that, like, you know, when you compare it to Judy Bloom, those characters, like, they're very nuanced and, and there's a lot to fudge. That's true. Um, which is why there was a lot to, like, why, why you would stay with those characters while Brian Jacques, Jacques Jacques um, <laughs> would, uh, ne- wouldn't necessarily have that. Right, um, that's true. You know, because he wouldn't stay with characters. Right, you went there for the individual adventures, not for that sense of an overarching. Right, story. I want to hang out with Matthias. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, I would. I yeah. Well, you wouldn't have a lot to say. He's a mouse. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, all right. So speaking of hanging out with things for a while. Yeah. We've both uh, just finished ish two trilogies. trilogies. You know, the gods have smiled down on us and given us the end of two amazing trilogies that actually ended really well, which is Lev Grossman's Magician's Trilogy and uh, Jeff Vandermeer's Seth and Reach Trilogy. Yeah. And uh, so you've, uh, of course, all of you at home have read all six books, and uh, we're glad that you did that. As well you should. Yeah. And if you haven't, 
Go now. Go and buy them, especially, um, you know, the Magician's books look great, but there's something to these little, like, paperback FSG... Um, Originals. That's, yeah. Yeah. They're really beautiful, and they've done some really nice theming, and, and like, they did a very interesting thing to bring this, this trilogy out, where whereas uh, the Magicians came out over the course of 10 years, mm-hmm. um, Jeff Vandermeer's series came out in the course of one. Yeah, <laughs> you know? which, I mean, it's... I remember the New York Times article that, or article, blog post, whatever the hell it was, that came out where they were like, is this the beginning of a new trend of like, you can binge watch things, now you can binge read things. And so, it's like, n- no. Like, <laughs> no, Jeff Vandermeer is doing something really special. Yeah. Um, because, and there are, in, in, you know, The Magicians, it feels, it's, it's more like Lord of the Rings where you feel like you read three books that were really one book mm-hmm. that were broken up. Um, but the, but in the Southern Reach trilogy, you've got three very different, very different styles, very different ideas, but at the same time, let's go into that a little bit. So, um, Annihilation is basically, um, as a recovering Lost fan, it's basically like the best episode of Lost you've ever seen Mm -hmm. in a book. Um, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's diary, it's essentially diary entries, from um, one character's perspective, unnamed, they just mm. have their job titles. Right. So, it's so the, sh- the biologist. Yeah, that's who you're following. Um, on an adventure expedition thing into this mysterious Area X, which is this wild region in the southern United States, in Florida somewhere. And it's... And it, it suddenly it sort of appeared, and this this government agency has put in place to figure out what it is maybe like or exploit it or do like anything clean it up yeah <laughs> something but it's so mysterious and strange that they uh that there's things like they can't bring modern technology in mm-hmm. um there this is the 12th expedition and it's all females this time yeah they they do these different things to try and not combat the experience of going in, but to, to figure, I don't know, do to these mitigate things... the effects. I right. think. But so then the second so, novel, authority which is authority is a, is a completely new character. This guy control, um, which is his self-given nickname. Wink, wink, John le Carre. Uh, and, uh, what? Um, the John le Carre novels like Tinker Tailor soldier spy, the head of that government agency of MI six is control. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's... Okay, so it, I missed that wink, wink. All right, well. <laughs> but for those of you who are listening, wink, wink. Yeah. So that... And, and, and it is, it's like, after reading this adventure, sort of Heart, Heart of Darkness meets a Lost Episode uh, novel, now you get, like, a pretty classic spy novel, mm-hmm. where one of the first things that he does in his office is go and, like, um, strip it for bugs. Yeah. Which is sort of like... I don't know. I, I love um, reading the... Um, perspective of someone smarter than me um and uh and like that is a great one where it's just like you you are trying to like figure out what his um instincts are and if Mm -hmm. you can predict them or not and why he would why he would the first thing that he gets into a room is is strip it i love that yeah yeah it was really cool too to see you know because like you were saying with the magicians trilogy you go from the magicians to the magician king and it it all for all intents and purposes feels like the second part of a longer story right. like we're, we're doing the same thing we're doing this high fantasy adventure 
Whereas this, it feels like two completely different books. It's different styles. The writing style is different, which I think is a testament to... To Jeff. Yeah, and just being able to pull off radically different things in a very constricted time span. Yeah, and that's the other thing is these are short books, you mm-hmm. know? These are like slim fit in the fit in your back pocket sort of sort of pocket additions. I I I kind of can't get over it. Like they're really nice objects to hold. I just want to like Yeah, like, like embossed if, covers. If you buy your books um, you know, electronically, this might be one to to put on your shelf because it's actually a very beautiful a beautiful thing. And the third one, um, Acceptance, which I think has the most beautiful cover as well. It's gorgeous. Um, is all sorts of things. It's got, it's a, it's in second, some of it's in second person, mm-hmm. but it feels like sort of like a grand finale where he's using all of his tricks, all of he's pulling every bit of the bag where before he was just sort of like showing you a little bit of what he can do. Now he's like, now it's the big grand all the fireworks at once finale. And I mean, the amazing thing is, and it's one of those books where you read the other two and you can sort of talk about the other two. And then the third one, it's like, if you haven't, you don't want to talk about it until you've read it because it's just such a, but it, it sticks the landing. Both of these trilogies really like they just nail it in a Mm. way that so often you get through two thirds of the trilogy and you're waiting and you have these expectations and then you get, Hunger Games. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, well, yeah. okay. Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Uh, uh, I mean, a little bit. I, it would be a different podcast, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can go to the mattresses on that one. All right, fair enough. Because um, I think it's unfairly maligned, and I think Empire Strikes Back is unfairly lauded. But we'll, that's, a, that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. So, but it's interesting because these two books both concern uh, a sort of fantastical land mm-hmm. where with with the magicians, you're in Fillory. And Fillory is like, and that I think is the really great, wonderful pleasure of reading this entire series is the first time you're in theory, uh, Fillory in, in the magicians and you meet this talking bear, Humbledrum? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the most fun, like, sequences in, in, ever is that these, like, you know, these fan- high fantasy reading fans of the, of the genre are now in a fantasy world. And they're like, okay, sh- where, where can we find some orcs to kill? <laughs> uh, and just like that, it's, it's such like a love letter to everyone who's ever thought like I could have done so much better in the forbidden maze or yep. whatever it or is. Or like Frodo. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I would do better than he did. Yeah. If I had the ring, it would have been two days to Mordor back, <laughs> pina coladas and uh, some of that, whatever the weed is. They yeah. Put that, in there. <laughs> that hobbit weed, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the halfling's leaf. Whatever the is hell that he what says. they call it? I don't know. I just remember Solomon being like, your love of the halfling's leaf has dulled your brain. I don't know why he does. That's not what Christopher <laughs> Lee sounds like at <laughs> all. <laughs> is that, was that you doing a Christopher Lee impression? Uh, you know, he does a metal album, so that's true. That's true, I, by the way. I, 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 well. It's about Charlemagne. Is it really? No, you know what's... A- Listen to that on Spotify. <laughs> don't, don't spend your money, friends. What's it? There's an amazing song by the guy who plays... Uh, Dumbledore, um, 
MacArthur Park, which reminds me he's not the only wizard who has a um an album or or a, actually yeah, an album to his name, but there's only one good song on that album of Richard Harris's album MacArthur Park, which is just there's a great thing about having a birthday cake in the rain and it's melting. Great. He's he's a poet too, folks. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not just Dumbledore. <laughs> He's so much more. So much Dumblemore. Yes. But it's true. The idea that like we can look at these characters and these people and think about them and be like, yeah, we would do so much better. And then Lev wrote this series where he takes the kids who have read all of these books and are like, we would do so much better and throws them into these situations. And I mean, Quentin, the the lead, I guess, of all and three books. We, uh, we had the great and fantastic... Uh, chance to go and see uh lev and uh jeff actually speak with lauren bukas uh author of broken monsters and the shining girls um at at housing works and something that i will take away from the evening (laughs) is that he's like hanging out with quentin he's like it's a wonder i didn't kill him off before the end of the series yeah because he is a very frustrating character and one thing you can say for Jeff Vandermeer's characters is none of them are frustrating. You're just frustrated with it. You just want to know more about the world. Right. But Quentin is, is frustrating because he becomes unfrustrating. And that's the beauty of, uh, the tri- of, of reading a trilogy. And sort of this sort of wonderful space, if you're reading a good trilogy, what you can do mm-hmm. as an author with all of that space, it's kind of, it's, to me, it's sort of like a, a stand-up comedian who has had five-minute spots his entire life, but now he's got the half hour special. He yeah. can like revel in the time. You know, you, it's, you don't have 350 pages. You have like 1,200 or whatever it is. Right. You get to do a lot more development work. And it's true. I mean, Quentin is such a nuanced, dickish character um, for so long. But at the same time, I, the entire time, even when he was being just awful, I was like, no, nah, man. I get, I get it. That. Yeah, I get it. We've all been there. I was mad at him in the maze in the in the first book mm-hmm. where he's just not I just wanted him to stand step up. Man. <laughs> I mean, step even up to the plate. At the beginning of the third book too is he's he's trying to do this thing that he thinks is redemptive. Mm. And like when he's when he finally accomplishes it it's not, just nothing. Yeah, it's just like oh. It's a big spoiler. Um but you know, we still read it. Yeah, because we haven't told you what it is, but sort of you get and, to, and you're like, oh, and that's right. the sort of thing about this. This the here's the thing about spoilers, and and especially with this with a fantasy and a sci-fi trilogy, as these two are, is that like if if I spoiled a plot point in either of those books, they are mo- so much more than their plot points. Yes, absolutely. They're really beautifully written. Their characters are sort of fascinating and strange, and and where other writers might get sort of lost in the plot machinations both of these authors instead stuck to character and i think mm-hmm. that that is um that is the secret to writing a good trilogy or a good book at all i agree and it's it and that and that's really when books fall off it's it's when books stop being interesting is when you really feel like you're no longer reading you know a novel you're reading someone who like a puppet master's manual yeah very well put mm. Speaking of, speaking of, do you want to uh, give us a little a little taste of that acceptance yeah. magic? Yeah, I would love to. Here we go. 
You tell yourself this is no less or more real than bowling at chippers, than the hippo with the red paint under the skin, than living in Bleakersville working at the Southern Reach, that this moment is the same as every other moment, that it makes no difference to the atoms, to the air, to the creature whose walls breathe all around you, that you gave up the right to call anything impossible when you decided to enter Area X. I mean, if that doesn't make you want to enter Area X... <laughs> yeah, no... Why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, go right now. You know what? Wait, wait, wait. You can listen to this on your way to your local bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. Throw this on your old um, iPod. personal phone and, uh, and uh, I don't know, support your local bookstore. Yeah. And while you're there, um, <laughs> pick, up, pick up these books, but then also, Christopher, oh, yeah. what would you tell people to pick up right now? Yeah. If you're going to go buy a trilogy and you need to also buy something else. Um, Palette cleanser. Yeah, uh, yeah. this is a really short one. It's actually a young adult novel um, called We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. And she um, she knocked one out of the park already with the disreputable history of Frankie Landau Banks. She wrote that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right. So this, this is a great um, novel about a, a girl who um, is going back to Cape Cod for the summer. And it's sort of, it's very interesting, you know, E. Lockhart is not your normal um, YA author. She's really interested in class and class distinctions and sort of like what the privileged class is like. And so this one is a very, you know, something happened the summer previous, which has sort of ruined everything. But the main character can't remember what it is, which is one of the cheaper tricks as far as like the as far as writing goes, but it works beautifully because, um, there's a, there's one of the most incredibly executed third act twists that I've ever seen in a book. Wow. And the most amazing thing is, you know, in the great history of a twist, like sixth sense, you immediately want to just like turn back to the beginning and, and, and read it with that new knowledge in mind. Not like, Oh, good twist. And then like you forget right. it ever happened. So, uh, E. Lockhart's, uh, we were liars and it was pretty, um, pretty light, rightly a New York times bestseller. And I think that, um, also when I went to see her talk about it at, um, word bookstore, she, uh, she said that she was reading it with a copy of The Secret History on her desk. <laughs> and so I think that that's pretty evident um, when you read it. Excellent. And what about you, Drusif? I think um, a, a book and author who we briefly mentioned, actually, she was speaking with Jeff Vandermeer and Lev Grossman, mm. is um, Lauren Bukes's Broken Monsters. Oh, yeah? Um, speaking of, of class distinctions and things like that, it's a, a horror novel set in Detroit, um, this a body has been found where the top half of a young boy has been sort of stitched to the bottom half of a deer, and the the cops are like, okay, this is weird, and it sounds like True Detective. Yeah, it goes down this very strange rabbit hole, but at the same time, it's as much as it's a procedural and a horror novel in that way. She's dealing with the realities of all of these people living in a broken city mm. and she she does a marvelous job at hitting all of the strata there are some rich people who are in the story there are some homeless people who are in the story all of them feel very real and all of them feel like they are all striving to not only you know lift themselves up but to lift 
the city around them. And it it's so much more than just a horror novel, which I was not at all expecting when I went in. And, you know, it's been getting some pretty high praise from uh, the master of horror himself, Stephen King. Indeed. They're kind of leading with that, saying, and he is like, it's one of the best things I've ever read. Yeah. Whatever the quote is. Yeah, I mean, it, but that's basically what it is. And it's it's a pretty marvelous job. Yeah. Uh, I am a scaredy cat, but I still am going to try it. Good. I mean, you know, tis, tis roughly that time of year. It's getting <laughs> darker outside. Yeah, I forgot that you have you have time of the year books. Dude. Oh, God. Well, I'm a very weird person. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And uh, next time on so many damn books, uh, we're going to be talking about John Darnell's Wolf in a White Van. Yeah. Read Hi. it. Yeah, read it. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, because we're not. I mean, we're not going to hold back on spoilers because the whole book is a spoiler. <laughs>